Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Well, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it may be when you are listening to another Thursday edition of the Illuminated Word Podcast. As always, I'm David McLean, and well, our summer is off and rolling around here. I don't know what your summer looks like, but... Last week, I spent the week out at Gulf Coast Bible Camp. It was an awesome week of camp. Uh, of course, it was hot and lots of mosquitoes and gnats, just as I predicted uh, in my previous podcast. <laughs> but uh, but it was a good week. And, of course, we're wrapping up our VBS uh, this week, or by the time you've listened to this, we actually will have wrapped up. And uh, that was an interesting experience. And nonetheless, matter of fact, as I'm recording this, I'm staring at the clock, just counting down the minutes before... All of those just wonderful children uh, enter uh, into our building, and and chaos ensues for the next <laughs> two and a half hours. But now it's it's been a great blessing. And then of course on Sunday, Devin and I pack our bags and head to Impact, and so it was just one thing after another. But it is definitely a blessing to be able to do all of this this summer, especially compared to last summer. Well, let's get to our reading for today. It's going to come from Mark chapter five verses 21 through 34. So I'll go ahead and read that section and then maybe just kind of go through it and point out a, a few things. But it reads, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing it had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so this is a, a pretty popular uh, section of Scripture, uh, two instances where Jesus uh, performs miracles. Uh, and this is actually a second instance where Mark kind of puts, um, we'll call it a sandwich. There's one episode that's sandwiched in the middle of another episode, another story, another healing, something. And sometimes the two stories share a common theme. And then in others, one part kind of interprets the other. And this sandwich can also provide kind of dramatic effect. It slows the narrative, uh, creating a kind of a delay. If, you, if you're if you big into writing and you know how all that stuff works, uh, you know, there's we want to just kind of slow the narrative. We want you to take the time to realize what's going to happen. Or even in storytelling, here's this uh, instance, here's this uh, moment that uh, kind of interrupts 
and it delays our main character that something else can happen uh, in the other story going on. So here the delay is, is important since the death of the girl takes place during this period. Now, the common theme of these two stories, these, these two healings, these two scenes, is faith. Jesus announces to the woman that her faith has healed her, and then he calls Jairus to greater faith in the face of apparent hopelessness at the death of his daughter. And There are both contrast and similarities between uh, these two stories. The main contrast really is in the social status of the two people involved. You know, Jairus, Jairus is a uh, Jewish male uh, he's a leader in his community. He's at the top of the social ladder, really. And this woman is poor and helpless. She's an outcast, and she's on the lower rungs of society. And she remains chronically ill despite having spent all she had on doctors. And then this bleeding disorder she has renders her ceremonially un- impure, and, and so she's separated from Israel's religious life. So that's the obvious contrast. Uh, and then there are similarities, and uh, they are just as equally striking as the contrast. Uh, you know, both concern females who are in hopeless situations. You got the chronic disease and then the death. Both situations relate to ceremonial impurity. You got the woman's condition and then, of course, the little girl's dead body. Both in the story are identified as daughters. And they both involve a period of 12 years. And this is significant for each. That's when the onset of the woman's disease and then that's the age of the girl that we learn in a few verses. And then the healing in both involves Jesus' touch and his link to faith. Jesus tells the woman that your faith has healed you, and then he encourages Jairus not to fear, but to persevere in faith. Uh, and so faith is very important uh, in, in this section, and of course, as uh, I do believe uh, will be covered in tomorrow's podcast, uh, the ultimate uh, death of the daughter, the encouragement of Jairus, and then, of course, the resurrection back to life of the daughter. And so we see in verse 21 that Jesus returns by boat uh, back to the other side of the lake. Uh, he was getting away from the crowd. He travels across. That's where he runs uh, or he encounters uh, the man who is possessed by uh, the demons, by legion. And so we have that scene play out. And so he crosses back to the other side. He's back in Jewish territory. Uh, and this is evident from the presence of the synagogue leader. Um, and so, you know, this is where Jesus starts taking the message out into Gentile territory. But for this, for this purpose, he's going back into uh, Jewish uh, territory. And so the appearance of a large crowd. Again, here we are renewing the theme of Jesus' popularity, uh, how the crowds follow him. The crowds are actually a character in all these stories that you read. Um, and so we see that... Uh, this this religious leader, uh, Jairus, comes to Jesus. He's in desperate uh, need. It's an urgency. Uh, he comes and, and meets Jesus at the lake when he's by the lake. Mark uh, points out twice he was by the lake when this when Jairus comes to him. And this idea of a synagogue leader, um, a synagogue leader was an administrator of the synagogue, um, not a Pharisee, not a teacher. Um, not anything like that. He's he's administrator. I think a fair comparison would be uh, to our our deacons today. Uh, their jobs were to maintain the facilities, uh, even organizing worship services, uh, and so he is someone who is important uh, as a synagogue leader. Um, and and there's a reason why Mark points that out. There's also something else kind of unusual here, and that is he's named. It's unusual to have an individual named in a miracle story. Um, 
and, and that actually happens uh, in Mark only in this section and in chapter 10 in the case of Bartimaeus. Um, and so I feel like uh, this shows the importance. It gives him a name. And then the fact that Jairus fell at his feet. Uh, I believe this is, a, this is a, an action of submission. Jairus had no other option. I mean, I have a, a 12-year-old daughter, and I can't imagine uh, how it would feel. Luke points out the fact that this is Jairus' only child. And so he's not just losing a child. He's losing his only child. He's losing a 12-year-old daughter. I can't imagine that feeling. So Jairus has no other options. He's desperate. He throws himself um, at the feet of Jesus. He's helpless in the face of his daughter's illness, and he begs Jesus for help. And so uh, Jairus requests that Jesus come and lay hands on her. Uh, again, this is a, a common means of healing in, in both uh, Mark's Gospels and, and in the ancient world uh, altogether, uh, or as a whole. And so he goes with him, Jesus goes with him, and as Jesus heads off to Jairus' home, the crowd appears again. Uh, again, crowds in Mark are both indicators of popularity uh, and this idea that they are kind of um, barriers to those trying to reach Jesus. Um, and so the mobbing crowds prepare us to see the, Jesus' compassion and his sensitivity to this woman's desperate touch. And so... Here's this sandwich comes in. Jesus is making his way to Jairus' home. Boom, suddenly you've got a narrative that shifts from Jairus to the actions of the woman. And so Mark describes the woman's troubles and her attempt to, to get Jesus really just in, in one desperate, quick moment. Um, for 12 years, this woman had a, a blood problem, a bleeding problem, flow of, of blood, if you will, uh, a chronic bleeding disorder of some kind. And so she suffered... Uh, much under the care of many doctors, spending everything she had, getting no better, uh, really only getting worse. Um, she's really portrayed uh, just like uh, the the man possessed by Legion. Um, she's portrayed as beyond human help. And so this woman's condition uh, would not only have been detrimental to her health, but it also would have rendered her ceremonially unclean, uh, limiting her in participation in, in Israel's religious life. And, you know, this is, again, important to note, um, the fact that she puts herself out there. Uh, she comes to Jesus in faith, but she's also afraid. She comes in faith, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. But also the fact that she does it secretly, so he doesn't know uh, who did it. Um, and so she may have felt ashamed because of her condition or perhaps feared rebuke by the crowds or even the disciples for touching uh, this rabbi in her impurity. In either case, she approaches Jesus as an outcast because she's desperate for healing, uh, but really she feels unworthy of his time or attention. Um, and this, this woman's desire to touch Jesus reflects a, a common belief in the ancient world that a person's power could be transmitted through their clothing. Uh, of course, we would think, well, that's kind of crazy, but really... Um, similar beliefs and results are reported in Acts by those trying to touch Peter's shadow and by Paul's handkerchiefs, uh, work aprons. That's in, uh, both of those are in Acts 5 and Acts 19. Um, and these can be kind of disturbing to us because they appear to reflect kind of a magical uh, view of healing. But Mark, that's not what Mark's trying to say. Um, he clarifies that the healing... Uh, resulted not as a magical ritual, but from their faith. Again, he tells the woman, your faith has healed you. And really, that's a way of saying God has healed you in response 
to your faith. So she touches him immediately. Her bleeding stops. Uh, and this woman's faith in Jesus' authority to heal pays off. And she immediately realizes she's been healed. And Jesus immediately, too, feels the effect as power had gone out uh, from him. And so we see just this uh, convergence of the human and the divine in Jesus' uh, person. I love when he turns around and asks, who touched me? And the disciples are like, do you, do you see the crowd around you? What do you mean, who touched you? Obviously, somebody touched you. How are we supposed to know who touched you? But this woman, knowing that what she so desperately needed had finally occurred, she had finally received it, she steps up. She says, it was me. I did it. In my uncleanness, in my, you know, in, in my impurity, I just knew if I could get close enough to you, I could, I could be healed by you. And Jesus, even the woman came fearful and trembling because she knew uh, what had happened to her. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed uh, from your affliction. It's also interesting, too, that Jairus comes to Jesus at the lake and falls down at his feet. The woman, fearful and trembling, also fell down at his feet. As Jairus fell down before Jesus, begging him, so now the woman healed falls down before him in awe and worship. And she tells him, you know, everything that happened, <laughs> why she why she did what she did. Um, and so, by her faith, uh, she is healed. And so, I don't want to keep going too far because I know that uh, we'll get into that tomorrow. Um, but I do want to kind of talk about um, this need for faith. Um, I think that's something I've struggled with in my life. Um, you know, how much does faith play in what God does in our lives? Um, do I have to have faith in order for God to do something? Um, I think a major theme, at least of this section, is the faith that Jesus expects from those who follow him. So faith is recognizing that there is nothing we can do to save ourselves and then expressing our full dependence on God's saving power. So Jairus demonstrates faith by coming to Jesus, despite the fact that to do so could mean ostracism from the religious establishment of Galilee. I mean, he could lose his job, he could lose his position, he could be kicked out. And then the woman's faith is demonstrated through her approach to Jesus, despite her shame and her condition and the fear of rejection by others. Both believe Jesus has the power to save. Uh, faith is not a, a single act, but it, it means that we endure in faith. So when Jairus' daughter dies, Jairus faces an even greater challenge. Jesus calls him away from his fear to even greater faith in his power to raise the dead. And so these two episodes uh, for the need for faith stand kind of in contrast to episodes that, that frame it on either side. Uh, you know, in Mark 4, Jesus rebukes the disciples for their failure to believe in the face of an angry storm. And then in uh, 518, right before this section, the townspeople uh, respond to Jesus' amazing uh, healing of this guy and exorcism. Uh, and they uh, reject him instead of having faith. In other words, they were scared and told him to get out. And then right after this, we're going to see that Jesus will face rejection from his own people in his hometown of Nazareth. And so on both sides of the episode, you have stories of lack of faith. And right in the middle, you have the woman who is ceremonially unclean and the religious leader, uh, both showing great faith in Jesus. While everyone is amazed at Jesus' miraculous power throughout his Galilean ministry, uh, when you get to chapter 6, we see that Jesus himself 
will be amazed at their lack of faith. And so for Mark's readers, and of course for us, these lessons on faith remind us that, that our life is not always a comfortable walk in the park. I mean, it's going to have trials and suffering and persecution when the pressure comes, uh, rather through persecution or illness or accidents or loss of jobs or betrayal by a friend, a broken relationship or, you know, death of a loved one, whatever it may be. God calls us to turn to Him in hope and faith, recognizing that He has a purpose and that in the end, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Of course, we know that's Romans eight thirty nine. Another important theme here in this episode, and then we're going to wrap this up, is uh, I see Jesus' care for those of low social status. Jesus turns away from Jairus, a religious male of high social status, to meet the needs of a woman whose gender and illness render her of little value by society standards. And then Jairus' daughter, as both a female and a child, uh, she would also be low on the social pecking order. And through Jesus' willingness to touch and heal these two women, he challenges both the social norms and purity laws, and it demonstrates that uh, the uh, restorative power of the kingdom of God and also the inclusivity of the kingdom of God. Uh, it's a reminder to me that as a follower of Jesus, I am called to treat all people, no matter what their position or status, uh, with respect and compassion, and to break down barriers that, that divide and alienate. We can sit and talk all day long about barriers that we put up, the way we cut off people and alienate, but, but, but I think we're smart enough to know the different barriers that are out there and to see them and to at least even acknowledge that we're a part of the problem a lot of times. Well, I'm going to wrap that up. Uh, I hope that that was in some way encouraging to you. hope you got something uh, out of that. Uh, as always, I just want to encourage you uh, to, to find ways to, to show the love of Christ to people around you, to be an encouragement to someone else. Like God will open those doors uh, time and time again. We just have to see them and be willing to walk through them. And so, so I hope that you have a blessed week, but also I hope that you are looking for ways to be a blessing to those around you.